Hey, how have you been? Uh, I've been pretty bummed out. What was that? It's the last show. Maybe I should have explained this better. This is the last show before I start my new job. Uh, nothing at all is changing about this show. Sorry for the uh, misunderstanding. This is Control Structure, Episode 3, for December 6th, 2012. An Oreo cream cheese suspension, with guest Matthew Petchel and host Andrew Bailey. And now, with Python Libraries for Flooring. As I may have just said, uh, I am Andrew Bailey, and you are the other guy. I'm Matthew Petrel. Oh, goody. So, yeah, you're that uh, other guy from that uh, gadget show, aren't you? Oh, yeah, I, I do only gadgets. You you do have uh, programming expertise? Yes, I do. So, along with your floor-laying skills? Mm-hmm. Man, you have yeah, no Python libraries to lay flooring. Yes, uh, you you absolutely own at uh, laying down floors. Anyways, uh, apparently my mom got mildly offended uh, when I said that the uh, computer classes were just to get me out of the house. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is weird, but uh, you know that's I guess that's uh, something you have to ask both people in order to get the full story of. So, like, for instance, uh, when we got cable internet, uh, I, to this day, I totally say that I had to con my mom into doing it. Uh, I asked her, and she's like, well, I was, you know, sort of interested, you know, cautious and wary. No, I totally had to con her into that. And no, mom, don't say anything about this. And, uh... On, on that note, though, she's been, like, emailing everyone, Hey! Andrew has a podcast! Listen to it! So... So we might, we might have a few more listeners, and if you've been contacted by my mom recently to listen to the show, I'm sorry. That's just how she is. But anyway, more viewers is good. Yes. 
and uh, maybe some of them might want to be my guest. Yeah, I heard you're always looking for guests. Yes, I'm also looking for a co-host. But oh. uh, yeah, that's more of a long-term thing. But we'll see how it goes. So, anyways, uh, mind if I ask you a few questions? Uh, go ahead. State your name, age, and education. My name is Matthew Petchel. I am 19. My education is self-taught hacker. Good. So, um, well, I guess I'm sort of following the template here. But uh, what got you into technology? Um, my fourth grade computer teacher, Mark Mueller, which is a funny name. That's why I remembered it. Um, he first got me playing with HTML and some other stuff, and um, from there I kind of thought, oh, this is cool. Cool. So, uh, uh, what got you into Python? That is my brother's fault. Um, completely blame him. Um, he threw me some uh, books, and they were uh, all about the Python. Nice. So... Uh, now I just want to you know make it clear here what kind of uh, technology tools do you use? Um, because I'm not in the computer field regularly, all I normally use for tools is um, I always have a thumb drive on me that has um, Ubuntu on it, and because a lot of the times I have to do recovery for people who have destroyed a computer. Um, like, you know, it's just I love having like the disk analyze tools and all these other things, like all the features built in. Um, with a ready-to-go operating system. Um, so that, that, that's got to be my number one tool, a live Linux distribution tool. Thing. Okay. Although from what I've uh, heard from uh, at the Nexus is that uh, you like Debian and Ice Weasel a lot. That's a, um, <clears throat> um, a running gag, the Ice Weasel thing. <laughs> um, I, I openly endorse Opera and Chrome. But Ice Weasel don't install it. <laughs> but you can you can uninstall it. So, yes, uh, another another browser that uh, the Ryan tends to not like too much. So, uh, yeah. let's see. Let's see, have have there been any applications or anything that you've been most proud of? That I wrote. Uh, um, that you did. Ooh. Um, they weren't. It wasn't like a marvel of technology or anything, but I did make this really good program. Um, that I, like it just at, like it, one of my computer assignments for one of my classes was like it was a C class, and it was like, please enter in three numbers and adds them up and finds the average. And uh, I thought that was so boring. What it did was I modified a program somebody else made and I made it spam the root C directory. Like, just everything. Like, just, it will create 100,000 files. Just, just, hi. Hi. Big week? Hi. Um, even, though, even though it's just trivial and stuff, I, I, was, I was quite proud with it when my teacher ran it. Hmm. So, uh, like, it did all that in the background while it asked for, like, three numbers? 
Well, yeah, because it, I mean, it, it did it all like um, before it even like it said, "Hi, enter in the first number," and before it did this, it would like it would just do it all, all in just a few seconds. Not even that. Huh. Anyways, um, I guess that's it for the questions. So, you know, granted, this is this is not like a job interview type of thing. It's just you know, few questions. your uh, character on at the nexus we'll start out with some uh like legal and government news oh lawyer man stuff lloyd lawyer man says lloyd <laughs> so anyways um the international telecommunications union is uh right now uh, having a huge uh conference over in dubai and one of the items on their agenda is uh, sort of like taking control of the internet. Uh, they want to uh, be able to charge uh, content providers and senders of information, uh, charge them so you know they can build their own networks where it's being received. Uh, this is absolutely not how the internet works. And uh, pretty much everyone has uh, stuff to say about this. Uh, the uh, Wall Street Journal says letting the internet be rewired by bureaucrats would be like handing a Stradivarius to a gorilla. Uh, that's pretty bad. It's going to destroy it all. So it's going to be devastating. Yes, and uh, in my opinion, uh, even if it's settled, this issue will be brought up so many times in the 21st century. So. This is probably just going to be something that we're going to hear, like, constantly. So, uh, uh, a lot of uh, people are against and for this. Uh, like, the uh, the Russians, the Chinese, and the Arabs are uh, for this. And I think a few European ISPs. Uh, but the European Union is against it. Uh, the U.S., uh, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and Mexico are uh, opposed to this uh, and of course Mozilla is as well yeah I think uh, Mozilla posted something on their blog like a whole explanation of why they think it's a stupid idea and they really didn't want it yeah and uh, you know uh, Vint Cerf I'm, I'm not familiar with him uh, uh, who is he uh, he's the guy that made uh, the TCP protocol uh, you know, that one thing that the internet is built off of, that uh, it's a protocol that guarantees the exact order of how you sent something on the other side, and uh, like provides like speed throttling and uh, like a few other th like really useful things. Yeah. Uh, because uh, if you didn't know, the internet is a huge series of tubes, 
and uh, your like whatever you send over the internet gets divided up into little packets, and they might take a different route to get to their destination. Uh, they might leak out of the tubes as well. So TCP kind of uh, handles that. So, mm-hmm. uh, in uh, other other areas, uh, Syria uh, is having their revolution over there. It's been going on for like a year or two now. Uh, they turned off their internet. Yeah, I heard about that. And then Google turned on tweeting. That was kind of cool. Yeah, like apparently Google uh, like opened up, uh, like you could actually call up Google and it would tweet for you. Yeah, I think that was crazy how they're ready to go with that right away. Yeah. Uh, so, but, so what do you think about when a country can just shut down the internet for a day? Or how, how long was it? Do you remember? Uh, I think it might actually still be out. So, oh, really? Yeah, I have. Oh. I uh, heard about that going out, and I haven't heard about it coming back up. So. Yeah, uh, I'm, I've been out of the loop for quite a few hours. Uh, okay, uh, on, on this link I have here, Syrian internet access appears to be at least partially restored as of December 1st. So, and this is uh, the Cloudflare blog. Uh, we have confirmed that that the BGP routes are reestablished and traffic from both wired and mobile devices is flowing to Cloudflare's network. So. That's good. Even though that's, what, five days ago now? But. Mm-hmm. Still. But it's back. People go play Guild Wars again. Yep. So, speaking of uh, countries turning off the internet. So, I guess some other countries are looking into um, how they can turn off their internet. Um, Apparently, uh, Greenland is pretty easy to turn off. um, And people in Afghanistan and Iraq are trying to see what they could do to turn it off in a hurry. I forget who exactly did this. So, yeah, Wired has has an article here about... uh, like someone did an analysis of like how interconnected countries are and they rated how easy it is for just one country to shut itself off from the internet and uh, Greenland appears to be pretty easy uh, to shut off but uh, ironically not so much uh, Afghanistan and Iraq is better especially considering that they're like war-torn countries yeah and uh, other speculative news it seems that uh, ad blocking might be the uh, next big legal battle. Uh, so, like, currently we're going through the patent phase. Uh, we've already had our copyright phase back in, you know, 2005 or so. Um, and now it appears that uh, ad blocking might be the next thing uh, because you know, how Google and tons of other companies uh, charge for ads. And if people block them, that means these companies aren't getting their ads, and it could be construed in that you're not using uh, a certain site properly. Yeah. Hmm. They should just force everybody to keep JavaScript enabled. Um, I think that would help a lot. Because I know some people hate ads so much, they just disable it forever. Yeah. So, but then uh, I'm. it can also be concerning about people with... uh, uh, like metered internet connections 
uh, in that if you have a very low data cap on your internet connection, that uh, you know ads uh, can chew up a significant part of it if you're browsing around all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you use AdBlock at all when you surf the net? Uh, no, I don't. I actually have uh, a uh, extension on Firefox called NoScript. Oh, so that's that, fancy. Yes, uh, it essentially blocks all JavaScript, uh, except you can enable it for like specific domains. Uh, you can have it like enabled for like only the website that you're on. So, like, JavaScript files from the website that you're running on can run, uh, but not anywhere else. And I really like it because, you know, it blocks out all the nasty stuff, uh, at least most of the nasty stuff. Uh, And it also has a nice side effect of disabling, like, 80% of ads. That's pretty cool. I bet it works really well on Wikipedia. (laughs) Yeah. Either way. See a little Kickstarter? Yeah. Um, I heard people are tr- going to try to sue them, or people are suing them, because they're promoting um, a 3D uh, printing system that violates some patents, and they're angry that so many people are crowdfunding this um, product, even though it's uh, copyrighted. Uh, in other news, a copyright troll gets trolled uh, over copyrights, uh, ironically. Uh, so... Torrent Freak uh, says that uh, this uh, copyright infringement group, uh, these lawyers, are sending out uh, you know th- you know ransom letters or uh, uh, extortion letters rather that uh, you know ask uh, someone to pay up or else, and they uh, use you know certain articles and whatnot and. Uh, Torrent Freak doesn't like that since, you know, they're referencing Torrent Freak's articles. So they consider that a uh, form of copyright infringement. So they uh, sue this other business that's going after copyright infringement. So, you know, right back at you. <laughs> yeah. So also from Torrent Freak, um, police raided a nine-year-old's um, house to get her Winnie the Pooh laptop. Um, this, so this little girl um, found a way to download a torrent of um, some music she liked, and then um, the police came to the house, and the dad didn't know anything about it, and then they got mad at the dad. Yep, and uh, the ironic thing is, is that uh, like the torrent really didn't work out for her. So uh, I forget how exactly she uh, got her, the album that she wanted, but uh, yeah, the dad didn't know anything that was going on. But the police saw a laptop nearby, and it was this girl's laptop. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, it just happened to be Winnie the Pooh. But uh, what else happened after that? Um, and then they wanted a bunch of money for it. Or, um, like, they, they're trying to give him a bill, like, saying because um, she was downloading all these things, that they, he better pay this um, right now, and we're demanding money from him. And he said, uh, nope, I'm not doing that. And then after some other things, I guess somehow we got a laptop. Yeah, um, after this story broke that, uh, you know, someone you know was nice and actually gave this girl a MacBook Pro. Yeah. So, 
you know, Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you've heard of the uh, Digital Millennium Copyright Act, right? Yes, I have. So, uh, like, one of the provisions is, uh, you know, like, takedown requests. And uh, it seems that, uh, like, a lot of movie and uh, recording studios uh, have software that basically looks uh, pretty much spiders of the web. And, uh, like, registers uh, web pages that have uh, infringing stuff on them. Uh, unfortunately, it kind of gets out of control. And uh, now Google is publishing all the takedown notices that they receive. And it's really strange what, uh, like, all these robots uh, ask Google to take down. And in lots of cases, it's completely legitimate stuff, like, you know, the Facebook page for the movie. Oh, that's, so that, that's copyrighted and they can't... Oh, cool. Uh, even though it's completely legitimate. Yeah. So, um... Apparently, there's a talk of making a new bill that would require law enforcement to have a warrant um, to read a suspect's email. So, um, police just can't confiscate your phone and look through all your email and see what you've been up to. Um, so that's a. Or worse yet, they can't just go to Google and Ken has this guy's email. <laughs> that's a pretty good trick. <laughs> so uh, I'd say it's about darn time that this has happened, uh, especially since the. Only uh, the only relevant bill was created like what 25 years ago, uh, which in internet time was you know like forever ago. Yeah. So uh, let's see. In other non-legal news, uh, HTTP 2.0, uh, the draft has been approved, uh, and it seems to be mostly SPDY. Uh, that's the protocol that Google uh, came up with to, uh, you know, make uh, their websites, you know, Gmail and all that uh, faster. So that might yeah. be that might be worth taking a look at. Uh, on that uh, note, though, uh, do you know what Varnish is? Like the web software? Uh, never heard of it. Uh, it's uh, essentially like a it's a caching. Uh, thing that sits in front of a web server so uh, you know if a request comes through uh, to the web server but uh, it's like mostly a static page and hasn't been changed it can you know get out real fast without having to process the page again uh, anyway one of the developers on there uh, Paul Kenning Camp uh, has said that you know has taken a look at this HTTP 2.0 draft and it says it doesn't interest him at all. Uh, he goes on uh, several reasons why uh, you know stuff like you know it, it still has this hack called cookies to uh, maintain session state. So he doesn't like cookies. Uh, he mostly has uh, uh, like an issue with HTTP 2.0. Uh, in the fact that it doesn't have a dedicated uh, mechanism for tracking sessions, uh, oh. you know, keeping with the uh, stateless mentality of HTTP. Yeah, I can see why you might get angry about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you know who Julian Assange is? Yeah, isn't he like uh, cooped up in an embassy somewhere? Yeah, um, and he, he's really good at promoting trolling to governments. And um, 
What he wants is everybody in the whole world as he started encrypting everything. Um, just to just to annoy the government. Like whenever you send emails, just make your friend um, unencrypt them later. Um, that gets really annoying. I've tried that with a friend and um, it's just like shooting yourself in the foot three times fast. Um, it, it's, uh, I don't know, I've never liked encrypting things. Yeah, and uh, in fact, just right before the show started that uh, I was looking into getting an SSL certificate for my own web server. Uh, you know, even though it's just, you know, my own blog and hardly anybody reads it. Uh, mm-hmm. Listeners, please read my blog. Uh, that, uh, you know, I just want to do it to figure out how it works. Uh, mostly. Yeah. So, yeah, encrypt all the things uh, while you're backing them up, too. So, mm-hmm. so uh, last episode, uh, we had uh, mentioned uh, setting up your own web server and uh, what kind of hardware you might be able to run uh, your server on, like including a Raspberry Pi. Well, someone has actually gone and uh, put WordPress, an instance of WordPress, on a Raspberry Pi. And it's actually available online as well. And uh, it seems that uh, this guy posted, you know, put this up there and, you know, posted it and, you know, sent links out to everyone. And it seemed like this thing got hit pretty hard and it withstood it. Well, that's uh, pretty good. So, like, did he publish how many numbers he was able to get? Like, how many people could be connected to it at once without it breaking? Or uh, he did uh, say how many uh, links he got. He he got seven thousand four hundred unique visitors. Uh, so that's pretty good. That's within, you have your own blog. Yeah, within fourteen hours or so. Yeah, that's uh, that's really good then. Yep. Um, so there's been a little bit of a breakthrough with um, NAND flash memory. Um, I guess it, people, researchers are trying to find a new way. Um, so something when it gets heated up, it um, clears itself. I don't quite understand it. Okay, so like one of the main concerns about using flash for you know, like main storage on a machine is that it has a certain number of write cycles, uh, like after which the charge inside the cell uh, can't really be picked up anymore. So, uh, like the way the way flash works is is that a strong current gets pushed through to set this one bit in the cell, you know, to whatever it needs to be, and uh, it has to be flushed, you know, every so often because you know new data comes in, it needs to be written, uh, and uh, a certain you know the bit can only be changed so many times. Uh, this is called a write cycles, and uh, right now, uh, Flash can only withstand about ten to a hundred thousand or so of these write cycles. And uh, scientists have figured out, you know, what causes this, and it's just the buildup of electric charge in the cell that causes this. And it seems like uh, heating up the cell to eight hundred degrees Celsius uh, clears it all out. And this can be done as many times as needed, uh, so you can write to a cell a hundred million times. Hmm, that sounds pretty cool. Yep. And uh, so there's a, a guy from Romania that uh, goes on a rant about pirated software, and that how uh, without it uh, there would no one, uh, no one there would know how to use Windows or anything else. Uh, 
because it is just so darn expensive and so darn nowhere to be found over there. And, uh, you know, because of this, uh, a lot of companies stay out of Eastern Europe and such. Uh, but Gabe Newell uh, says that, uh, you know, people there pirate because there's nothing there to buy. You can't get it legitimately. And in cases, you know, and in the rare case you can, it's so priced out of the market. Uh, for instance, uh, the guy said that, uh, you know, Windows would literally double the cost of a computer. Uh, you know, money that would, you know, break, uh, you know, would break the bank on a lot of people. Uh, but uh, Gabe Newell has tried something different. Uh, he has localized all of the Valve games. Uh, he has started to sell them there. And uh, he's even partnered with ATMs. Uh, they can fill up the Steam accounts with money, like right there at the ATM. And, you know, uh, because of that and other things, uh, Russia is now Valve's second biggest market. Wow, kind of surprised to hear that. That's cool, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do you know who GE? Yeah, like they make appliances and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but been, they moved overseas a while ago, but now there's talk of them starting to make stuff again um, back here in the USA. Um, so that'll be really good. People are encouraged to try to buy American all the time, and so now they can um, start buying stuff made by General Electric. Yeah, um, this one particular story is, I believe it's about their water heater and how they are uh, relocating the manufacturing to Louisville, Kentucky. And, uh, you know, they brought every part of the company together, uh, like engineering, sales, uh, designers, and like actual people on the floor building the thing. And they, you know, improved it so much uh, because these people used to be in completely different buildings and the manufacturing happened in China. So, uh, like, they got the the original design was rather complex to manufacture. And, uh, you know, they got together and, you know, figured this all out. And uh, they're now using a building that uh, hasn't made anything in 12 years. Uh, and let's see. They, they improved a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, they made it simpler uh, to build... They made less waste in doing it. Uh, uh, miraculously, it even costs cheaper. Uh, the quality goes up, and even the efficiency of it went up. And, of course, the time to market went way down. Uh, you know, if you make it in China, it has to stay on a boat for a month and then another week to clear customs. Uh, making mm-hmm. it in Kentucky, you can go from factory to Home Depot in like an hour. Yeah, that's uh, really speeding their production up. Yeah, and uh, you know, even though this isn't directly really related with computer science, you know, the uh, you know this helps grow the American economy. This you know helps Americans you know get degrees in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Uh, you know, degrees that actually help uh, you know economies grow and all this. And you know, larger economy means you know uh, more software to run it. And, uh, and in another way, you know, my dad was in the union and, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times that I've been to, you know, protests, walkouts and strikes, you know, this is, you know, very good news that, you know, manufacturing is coming back to America. Yeah. I also heard some of the new IMAX are also being assembled in America. 
And designed in California. <laughs> Among other things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, another company to buy from is Lego. Uh, there's a, a story uh, just this past week where a kid with Asperger's uh, wanted an Emerald Train uh, set uh, after saving two years. So, you know, he saved up his money. Uh, I'm not sure how much it was, like 100 or $200 or so. But in the intervening time, uh, Lego had discontinued the set. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, so uh, he wrote a letter uh, to Lego and asked, you know, hey, I'd like to, you know, get this, but I can't. And, you know, please help me out. And apparently Lego just sent him this set. Yeah, but that really made him happy. Oh, yeah, there's even a YouTube video of him opening up the box. And, you know, of course, he's thrilled. So, uh, you know, Merry Christmas. Yeah, it's always nice to hear nice little stories like that. Uh, Speaking of uh, Denmark and autism, uh, there's a a company, a consultancy company over there that specifically hires people with, you know, autism and Asperger's uh, to be uh, consultants for companies. And uh, there's a story of a few of them actually finding uh, work as, you know, being, you know, testing stuff. And, you know, this leverages their, you know, amazing memory and attention to detail. And they, you know, people with uh, autism and such, you know, they find comfort in repetition. So this is a a very good uh, job for them if they can, you know, navigate the social environment of an office. Yeah. I hope it works out well for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So know how we were talking about encryption earlier um, today and how you're supposed to encrypt everything. Um, there's another uh, school of thought, like this browser ID thing um, would be like a way to um, change how you identify yourself, like prove you have ownership of the email address and other things. Um, it looks pretty cool. And uh, you remember that uh, one discrete cosine transform uh, subject that me and Ryan covered? Yes, I do. Okay, well, there's a, there's a cousin algorithm or mathematical equation uh, called the discrete Fourier transform. And uh, it's basically used in uh, signal processing to find the frequencies of a signal. And it's heavily used in audio analysis. And, uh, like, have you ever used a Winamp or seen a spectrum analyzer? Yes, I have. Okay, that depends heavily on this discrete Fourier Fourier transform. Hmm, didn't know that. Yep. So there's a a blog post here explaining uh, you know how that works, the uh, little intricacies behind it. Yeah, it looks like a well-written article too. Uh, meanwhile, uh, earlier this week, uh, Tumblr, uh, if you remember them. Uh, they got a pretty bad worm going through their network that uh, uh, posted uh, stuff to users' account uh, if they were logged in. Um, so, like, I'm not sure if they figured out how it actually got there, but it ended up in uh, had some JavaScript in a data URI. Uh, you know, I I've played around with data URIs before. They seem to be pretty cool in that they're sort of like URLs, but that's the actual data itself. Hmm. So how does that work? I believe right now I uh, use data URIs on my blog to uh, serve up the uh, favicon 
which is that little image up in the tabs of browsers, you know, that's like a little icon for the website. Uh, I use uh, I use data URIs for that on my site. Hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know how I use Linux a lot and stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the hard things about um, using that is always getting like the newest version of Flash and all these other things. Um, and I always hate having to get new plugins for doing it and stuff. Because um, you know how I use my live CD sometimes, and um, with the way I have persistence set up, I have to, if I, whenever I shut off my computer, I lose everything, which is how I like it. I don't like um, keeping files rolling over. I like working on a project till it's done and then wiping everything clean. Um, but basically, so this guy, um, I don't know what it's called, like Shumway, or I can't, I don't know, I'm saying that wrong. And- um, but it's a, I'd, I'd say it's Shumway. Shumway? Yeah. Okay. Um, basically, you can run Flash by like, it's being interpreted only by using JavaScript, and so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh, plug-in free. Uh, that it, instead of you know having to install Flash, it just uses the JavaScript right in the browser. And uh, which is amazing. Yeah, and they have like a little uh, racing game on this just as a demonstration. And it works in Firefox. And in Chrome. Awesome. So, yeah. but you think Adobe is going to be mad? Mm, they're they they've kind of saw seen the writing on the wall by this point, and you know they realize that you know Flash is going away, especially because it's not supported on any of the i platforms. Uh, and they've even you know come out with translators to you know help people. Uh, Port their Flash to you know HTML5 and JavaScript, and you know even I myself that uh, I I know Flex, uh, which is uh, sort of like a rich internet application framework that runs on Flash, and uh, you know I have that on my resume, and you know companies you know flip over, you know it's like wow you know Flex. And you know, I've I've come across a few opportunities with that, uh, but personally, I don't mind if I never use it again, uh, just because it's you know going out of style. Uh, plus, I'd rather sharpen my JavaScript skills. So, uh, anyways, so you know all the uh, like the war and the tension going on between Google, Apple, Facebook, and Amazon. Mm-hmm. Someone's gone out and. Uh, and you know what Game of Thrones is? I heard it was um, a crap Facebook, but I never read it. Yeah, and, uh, apparently it's been uh, made into an HBO series. Uh, but someone's gone and uh, depicted this, you know, Google, Apple, Facebook, whatever uh, tension in, you know, put it in medieval times, and along with a really sweet map. Hmm. So this made a map of everything, or? Uh, yep, a map of them and uh, a few other things too. And it even has a portion in for Microsoft. Microsoft? Yes. Mm-hmm. I've heard they're not doing too good lately. Oh, tell me about that. Well, apparently um, Apple's been taking away a lot of um, their business. Like before, it had almost an exclusive market over, you know, all, like all schools, all. Um, Businesses, everything ran Microsoft products, and then um, first the things started changing for them. And now, um, this last year, um, 
they were really hoping Windows 8 would take them away, and they already got 1% market share um, with that. Um, but PC sales were down this year, 8% um, from last year, and just a lot of things aren't being sold as much. Um, I guess Apple iPads and other things are picking way more up than PCs. Yeah, so you know, Microsoft isn't the powerhouse that they used to be. And uh, especially back when they were that, uh, especially back when Windows XP was released, they were pretty much on top. Uh, speaking mm-hmm. of which, uh, Windows XP has dropped below 40% market share, uh, and Windows 8 has uh, 1%, as you said. Uh, this is based on, I believe, net applications. Uh, so this is just you know web analytics. That's interesting. Uh, speaking of uh, Microsoft and uh, whatnot, uh, it seems that uh, Chrome lost a few users in November uh, uh, with uh, net applications. Uh, however, uh, Firefox and Internet Explorer gained users. So I'm not sure what's going on there. It seems that uh, you know Chrome uh, Chrome users are you know rather viciously go after uh, their browser and want to use it, uh, but it seems like less and less people are using Chrome now. Hmm, that kind of surprises me, but cool. Yeah, and uh, so I guess in order to celebrate or to promote Internet Explorer, uh, Microsoft has a website called uh, thebrowseryoulovetohate.com. And it's uh, basically just a big promotion for uh, Internet Explorer uh, 9 and 10. Hmm. It's kind of a fun name for it, but that's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, So Intel's been uh, coming up with a new um, form factor for some CPUs. And um, their goal is to make some desktops that have been redesigned for the new world. Um, So basically it's like some mini, mini desktops. Um, You throw in your pocket, walk around with them. Um, and so you just keep everything with you, like, um, just go to a place, hope they have a monitor waiting for you, um, yeah, this it's seems supposed to be pretty good. Yeah, this seems to be, uh, you know, pretty good for people who don't, uh, really need a lot of, uh, processing power. Uh, you know, pretty much everyone that doesn't want to play, uh, you know, high-end PC games. Uh, with this kind of device, I'm assuming that people won't just buy this as a standalone thing. This is just something you use when you're out and about and at home and lightly using. Like you have a big i7 at home with a little i3 in your pocket. True. Um, but, uh, you know, this could also be used for, you know, home theater PCs. Yeah. So, or it could be used as a mom PC. Mm. So, uh, anyways, uh, it seems that C++ is coming back. Yes, uh, especially, you know, I had mentioned that uh, C++ uh, 2011 uh, came out and people are finally, uh, you know, implementing that. In other news, uh, C++ is not back. Hmm. Uh, There's, you know, other uh, complaints about, you know, granted, uh, 2011 did do quite a little, you know, quite a bit to, uh, you know, bring it forward into the modern age. Uh, but it's still C++. It still has, uh, you know, its own memory model. It's, uh, you know, it doesn't have garbage collection built in or anything. Hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, for a lot of stuff, it's just not that useful. Yeah. So what do you think C++'s future is? Uh, I'm not sure, but, uh, you know, it's it's not the hot thing anymore. And, uh, you know, if... 
uh, you know, something would come along that would have garbage collection and still be a low-level language, that would be great. Like, for instance, maybe D. There is a programming language that is, I'm not sure, it's maybe 10 years old, uh, but it's essentially C++ with garbage collection and, like, all these other niceties in it. Hmm, I have to look into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so Intel was saying that they weren't going to have, um, like, CPU sockets on their motherboards and stuff, because it's all going to be integrated and fancy. Um, and AMD said, you know, it's a stupid idea. Um, we're going to continue making um, CPUs like how we always have. So you just plug them into the socket and press go, and it's okay. So, you know, they just wanted to, you know, take a stab at Intel. You know, it's like, we're going to, you know, keep the status quo. Yeah. And so Intel's like, no, we're changing it. And then Intel was like, oh, no, no, no we're not changing it. Yes. Um, so uh, let's see, it was just, uh, just this evening. Uh, that Intel had contacted Maximum PC and said, you know, this is all rumors and that, uh, you know, we're still going to make, you know, CPUs that go into sockets. Yeah. I wonder how much longer they're going to do that, though. Yep. I don't know if rumors are spreading like that. It's kind of normally a hint of what they're going to do. Yeah. And, you know, this is pretty much all based around, you know, slides uh, saying that, you know, these CPU architectures are going to you know, be ball grid array, but apparently that wasn't the whole picture. So, uh, have you heard of MOBAs? Uh, multiplayer online battle arenas? Uh, no, I have not. Uh, like League, League of Legends and stuff? Uh, so, apparently there's going to be a Lord of the Rings uh, based one of these. And uh, uh, it, this is especially a uh, concern in the independent games area that's uh, uh, Microsoft and Sony uh, have these really long certification processes to get on their networks, uh, to get in their uh, app stores, if you will. And hmm. I've heard that uh, you know to get on to like Xbox Live, it's you know like ten thousand dollars or so to be certified. So so Monolith Productions for their new Lord of the Rings game is uh, going to bypass uh, like all these updates and is just going to store some of their game data in the cloud uh, to bypass all of this. So if they need to make it like a minor change, you know, to, you know, uh, like uh, change a number on this guy's armor or their health points or how much damage they do, that they don't need to, you know, recertify everything. They can just, you know, update an Excel spreadsheet in Amazon S3 or something. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. So I know you do a lot of programming, but ever uh, tried programming on a any TI like TI eighty threes, eighty fours, or anything like that? I had a TI emulator once, uh, but really didn't use it for much. Mm. Um, like I once was playing with my eighty three during math and was trying to pro- program some stuff to do, and it was a travesty. I did not like um, that mainly because I hated putting on the text uh, on the calculator. But what these guys did was they made a like you know the popular game Portal. Mm-hmm. Well, they made a calculator version of it. It apparently is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and only twenty-five kilobytes. Yes, uh, very small. And uh, you know the uh, TI calculators. I'm not sure how how many years old that these technologies are based on, uh, and it's embedded uh, uh, to boot. So you know there is quite a bit of restrictions in that. Yeah. So. Uh, and now for a new section that I would like to call LOL Apple. <laughs> you know, 
about these MacBook Pros with the Retina displays. So uh, it seems that there's a, a problem with some of them in that they uh, have ghosting issues. Like, for instance, if you're like working on a, like a Word document and then you switch over to a website or something and you keep it there for a while and then like go back to your desktop or whatever that you still see uh, what you had on there before for a little while. And this one bloke had this issue. So he went to the Apple store and uh, Apple apparently uh, said, nope, there's no problem. Uh, like what they did was they had this checkerboard pattern. They put it on display for a minute or so and then put it put a gray uh, image on there for a minute and then tried to see if they could see anything, you know, any of the detail. And apparently that's their test for this and that this guy's laptop failed that. And, you know, there wasn't anything wrong with it. Uh, but there's still, you know, problems there. And it uh, seems that Apple just lost one of their fanboys because of this. This guy says that, you know, he used to, you know, always buy the next uh, gadget that comes out, the next, you know, model. Uh, but now he's not going to do that anymore. Did he say he's going to book anything cool from another company or is he just not Apple now? It, he apparently he said that he's you know still considering to buy Apple products, but he's not going to you know take their word for it. Mm. Okay. You know they lost uh, you know whatever you call these people. You they lost a zealot. They lost an acolyte, an apologist, an eye snob, uh, or uh, the Apple Roddy is shrinking. I got another funny story for you. I know I didn't throw it in the notes. Um, but um, I just burst out laughing when I saw the new box for the IMAX. Um, so, like, you know how it's really not easy to stack rectangle boxes on top of each other? Mm-hmm. Um, you know how not easy it is to do that with trapezoids? I've never tried. I've never really encountered a trapezoidal box before. Well, if you ever get an IMAX, you're going to have to encounter it. Um, I mean, it just seems kind of crazy to have them make a box like I'm, I'm sure it costs more money to make a box that's a funny shape because you know box companies normally make boxes one size like all rectangles but I don't just seem kind of crazy uh, but no uh, the new thing trapezoids yes yeah, so uh, like Ars Technica pretty much uh, had an unboxing article and it seems that uh, it's trapezoidal because there's a cat in there yeah, I did see that cat. Um, I think he just got the deluxe, though, the 27-inch um, with Bluetooth cat. <laughs> so, and uh, now the coolest thing that I have seen all week, uh, some, I believe they're students in uh, Norway, uh, they had uh, constructed a four-meter pole and lined it with LEDs, and uh, they have, uh, like, a Wi-Fi uh, receiver on it. And they basically uh, walk around with this pole and measure the Wi-Fi strength uh, in many places. And uh, they combine that with, uh, like, long exposure photography. So you can just, like, see these mountains of lights, you know, going across, like, a street or, you know, going across a yard somewhere. It looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, like, especially when they, uh, uh, like, towards the end of this video, that's when they you know, stack these. So, you know, when a 
apparently they went across this field like five times and they combined it together. You can like see mountains and valleys in sort of 3D. Wow. That would be pretty cool to see. blackmailed this week uh yes i did uh thanks to you guys over at uh at the nexus uh so um i'm not going to mention his name but uh yeah apparently he uh got kind of irked that uh i called you guys a sponsor he got irked huh Uh, yes uh so i'm not gonna uh, say that you're my sponsor anymore uh because of that i think uh his thing worked Uh, but do you have any sponsors now though I have quite a bit of music on this podcast, and uh, generally, generally I uh, use Creative Commons licensed stuff. Uh, but uh, in a few places, that's you know, I like music that, it, but it's not necessarily Creative Commons. So I've like been emailing people, you know, hey, can I use my music on your podcast? And what have they been saying? Of the four I've emailed, the uh, C two I've gotten back with me. Uh, one said he talked to another guy. And uh, Matthew Stemple, uh, that's uh, dma-sc.atari.org. That's some of my chiptune music that I have on here on occasion. So thank you, Matthew. Mm, turns out. But not you, Matthew. So yeah, Ryan uh, submitted some feedback uh, of uh, last week's show. Uh, he says that uh, he used Vista heavily until Windows 7 came out. Uh, I did as well. I uh, want to point out that I've probably used XP not so much. I might have used uh, Vista more than XP, actually. It's let's see, it was up until about 2005, late 2005, that the desktop that uh, you know was back at home uh, was running Windows 2000, actually. And I was using that up until then, and then I got uh, my Ferrari laptop, that Acer uh, series, uh, that had Windows XP on that. And it wasn't until later in 2007 that after I had gone to my college that uh, I was starting to using Vista. (laughs) So there's just a gap there that I was only using XP, then I pretty much jumped to Vista, uh, which... I seem to be the only person around that uh, didn't really mind Vista because it seemed like everyone hated it, you know, being so slow and whatnot. But I thought it was the coolest thing in the world because I got the 64-bit version, and there 
was no driver compatibility issues on that Ferrari laptop. And, you know, it didn't crash ever. Uh, when I had XP on that, it would crash maybe once a month. But in the... Mm, in the about the year or so that I was using it with Vista on there, it didn't crash once. That's pretty good. And, you know, mind you, that is the 64-bit version, uh, which, you know, it had, you know, driver compatibility issues up the wazoo. Uh, but, you know, and the speed was fine. It's a dual-core laptop with a, uh, they had a ATI X1600 in it. Uh, so, you know, everything was smooth and everything. And, you know, I didn't really mind the performance hit because, you know, if you think about it, you know, XP had been out for five years. Everyone pretty much knew how to optimize the thing. Uh, so, you know, yes, it would be, uh, XP would be faster that way. Uh, but then again, Vista was doing more, it was more secure than XP as well. I suppose that's true, yeah. And then Windows 7, you know, came along and, okay, let's, you know, polish this up a lot. The hardware failure that I had mentioned in my last podcast was my microphone uh, just going out. So if you wondered the drastic change of quality there, uh, my microphone went out. But uh, I'm. it seems like that was just a fluke there because uh, it's working fine now. Nice. Cool. You sound great. And uh, if any of our listeners, uh, if any of you would like to uh, submit questions or feedback or want to be a guest... Uh, please uh, click on the feedback link on the page where you got this podcast on thenexus.tv. What is going on over there? Are you, like, destroying a keyword? So, did you know there's a person on this network named Sam Ebert? You, you rarely see him on the front page of the website. Oh, yeah, like all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, you see, I'm in the... I'm in the studio right now, and Ryan's in my spot, and I'm in the captain's chair, and Sam is trying to communicate with Ryan, and so Sam and Ryan are just chatting, but I have his computer open with his Gmail chat open, and so I am uh, spamming them characters. Violently. So, so you mean uh, Sam doesn't like to, you know, drop down into the well you have there? No, Sam, Sam is at home. Um, I, I, don't, I, I have exclusive rights to that well. <laughs> okay. Yeah, turns out. Yeah, it seems that you have all sorts of antics going on over there. Anyways, uh, you can find me at theandrewbailey.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash in slash theandrewbailey. And, uh... Where can we find you, Matthew? Um, you can find me at MatthewPetrol.com, and you can also find my Twitter, Matt underscore Petrol. How was your Thanksgiving? It was really good. I had a lot of macaroni and cheese. Like, uh, nobody, everybody was like, oh, dude, there's so much turkey, I'm going to eat that. So I had the entire bowl of mac and cheese to myself, almost. Nice. Uh, what kind of mac and cheese? Was it like the uh, shells with, uh, like, the gooey cheese, or was it like the powder stuff? I'm a classy man. I have to have my SpongeBob mac and cheese. Hmm. A little SpongeBob and little Patrick's and everything. I I've pretty much uh, gone through all of my leftovers. So I uh, so you know the turkey of course was you know cooked in uh, you know cooked in an oven, but uh, you know afterwards for the leftovers it's you know turkey is pretty good when it's fried, 
that's the Midwestern definition of fried. Multiple definitions? Yes. I Unfortunately, I uh, you know ate all of my pumpkin pie, and I've ate all of my dirt, too. Hmm. The last part sounds weird. Yeah, it's the uh, Oreo cream cheese suspension. The last part sounds even weirder. <laughs> well, it's Oreos and, you know, like all ground up uh, with uh, cream cheese uh, or pudding or something. It's really good. So, well, that seems to be uh, all of this podcast. Uh, let's yeah, see. Thanks very much for letting me be on it. Uh, no problem. What else uh, do we did we forget to mention? Uh, we'll see. We forgot to mention Hurricane Sandy in some way. And uh, oh yes, uh, today is International Backup Awareness Day. Back up your stuff every day. So have a good one. See ya.